G'day everyone, this is Greg Ryan and welcome to episode 42 of Rare and Resilient 1 in 5000 podcast where we're talking IARM. and today we are joined by Hattie from Peetsborough in England who is the mother of five children with her youngest Willow who is four next month was born with IARM. and Hattie was one of the contributors to the book The Rare and Resilient one in 5,000 Anthology, which was written two years ago, story number 19. And what we're going to do is get Hattie to read her story from the book, and then we're going to give get her to give us an update about all the things that have happened in the last two years. So welcome to the podcast, Hattie. I know. It's lovely to be talking to you finally. Yes, yes. Well, we've had a lot of chats over the over the journey, haven't we? We have, yeah. <laughs> okay, if you want to just start reading the story, go ahead. Willow is our fifth child, but our first girl. She was born at 37 weeks by planned C-section, weighing a healthy 7 pounds 10 ounces, and was perfect in every way. She passed all her newborn checks, and we left the hospital just over 24 hours after she was born, and we settled in at home to life with a new baby. She seemed a little unsettled, but nothing we had not dealt with before, although she struggled a bit taking her formula, and we thought maybe she had a tummy ache. At three days old, I noticed blood in her stools. No need to panic, I thought, unless it happens again. With the next nappy, there was more bleeding, and I instantly called the maternity hotline at our local hospital, where a disgruntled doctor told me it was normal for little girls. I insisted this was not normal, and she dismissively told me, if I were really worried, to head to A&E. Before my husband had even managed to park the car, we had been whisked into children's assessment. There we met the loveliest doctor, who admitted us instantly and started to run tests. He was so determined to find her the right help. She had blood taken, an x-ray. They told us to stop bleeding her, and they put her on a drip instead. By the morning, they had decided we needed to be seen by a specialist, and so we were transferred by ambulance to another hospital. The doctors at the new hospital instantly picked up that her anal opening was too small, and we were given a fact sheet about anal stenosis. We were told we would need to dilate her anus to gradually stretch it to the right size. A surgical nurse came and taught us how to do it. The first time was a little scary, but we were determined to get it right to help her. The doctors were concerned about the bleeding, which had continued despite being nil by mouth. She had an ultrasound, an MRI, and at five days old, she was taken for investigation under general anaesthetic, as they were concerned about Hirschsprung's disease. Handing over my tiny baby was the hardest thing I had ever had to do as a parent. I was still too sore from the C-section to walk to theatre, so my husband went with her. It was also our youngest boy's first birthday and I was full of guilt about missing his birthday as well as being worried for Willow. My mum brought him up to visit us and the lovely play nurses opened the playroom on the ward for him and even gave him a birthday present. The gesture was lovely, we were overwhelmed with their kindness and it was a welcome distraction. I made the walk to recovery where the surgeon explained she had found a section of inflamed bowel and had managed to dilate the anus a little further while she was relaxed. We spent three more days in hospital during which her bleeding stopped and the gastroenterology team gave her the okay to start on Neocate milk, a hypoallergenic amino acid formula. 
She did well, and as no more bleeding occurred, we were allowed to go home. We had to continue with the dilations twice a daily. The hospital 3D printed the dilator rods on site, so they were plastic and a bit nicer than the ones I've seen online. We started at a size 7 and over the next few weeks worked up to a size 9. At 15 weeks old, Willow had her second investigative surgery, a rectosigmoidoscomy, where they took a sample of tissue from her bowel. This time they found the inflammation had gone and we soon had the results back that they had not found any other problems. It was decided the inflammation must have been the result of a severe cow's milk allergy. We were so relieved to find nothing serious and her doctor told us that without the bleeding, we may not have known about the stenosis until she was much older. By six months old, we had managed to get up to our target dilator size of 12 and we slowly reduced the dilations until we no longer had to do them anymore. On one occasion, just after we had stopped dilating, Willow became very constipated and had to have a bowel washout, after which she was put on Movecore, which she still takes. Other than that, we had no more complications. Anal stenosis is mild compared to what most in the ARM family have had to go through. We had just a glimpse of the struggle this condition brings, and yet it still had a huge impact on our entire family. It took us away from our newborn bubble. I found the weeks leading up to and beyond her first birthday difficult, reliving what we had been through and feeling those emotions all over again. Willow is now 19 months old and will remain under the care of her doctor until she potty trains. However, she is doing really well and they are exceptionally pleased with her progress. That's great. Thanks for sharing her story for the first 19 months. Yes. And <laughs> you, you were get, starting to get a bit wobbly while you were reading it. I got a bit wobbly at the end. I think it's quite emotional reading back at how naive we were at that point, I think, because obviously there was a lot more to come after that. Yes, and that's what we'll get to now. I've seen you go through the journey since, and it's uh, yeah. really that the first 19 months were a bit of a cakewalk compared to what you've gone through since, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. And I, I sort of joined the group and thought, oh, I don't know if we're meant to be here because she doesn't seem to be as serious as everybody else and I think I spoke to you about it and you were like no no it's you know this is the right place for you and then obviously everything else that I'm about to tell tell you about happened and I'm very glad that I already had you at that point. Now it was a pleasure to have you in our community so we could support you so let's start from uh, after the 19 months and uh, share what you've been through with Willow since. I've written the next bit because I thought I needed to have this prepared for you. <laughs> in November 2020, I wrote Willow's story for the Rare and Resilient book. Wow, how much has changed since then? The world was in lockdown and we didn't see any doctors in 2020 in person until December. Willow's bowels were erratic, swinging between constipation and pooing 15 times a day. It didn't make any sense. It was at this time I pulled her notes out and Googled everything I didn't understand. I looked up one of the terms I found, which was partial sacral agenesis. We were shocked. We were sure we'd remember being told that part of our daughter's spine was missing, but we didn't remember it at all. I brought it up with the doctors at both hospitals and both told us not to worry. It wasn't causing her any problems. Her bowels continued to become more and more erratic. Whatever we tried, there didn't seem to be a solution. By September 2021, she had been started on microenemas, which helped a little. 
One night, shortly after her second birthday, we noticed a lump on her spine. Her paediatrician at our local hospital had a good look and was concerned enough to bring it up with radiology, who said the pictures from the first MRI weren't clear and suggested a repeat MRI. I will remember the phone call that I got for the rest of my life. Willow had a tethered spinal cord, an anterior meningocele and cysts in the presacral space. As soon as she said those words, I knew that meant Willow would need surgery, and I knew it was serious. Our wonderful paediatrician at our local hospital handed care back to Addenbrook. Willow needed more bowel management than they could accommodate locally. We were referred back to the surgical nursing team who started her on rectal washouts, initially just once a week. The same nurse that taught us how to do dilations right back at the beginning taught me how to do the washouts and Willow seemed open to the idea. Another MRI was needed. Neuro wanted clearer pictures. This was attempted in November under sedation, but it didn't work and was rescheduled for February. By this point, I had done enough research to be fairly confident that Willow had a syndrome called Curarino syndrome, a rare condition that explained all of her malformations. We finally met the neurosurgeon in March 2022, and he gave her a clinical diagnosis of Curarino syndrome. In two thirds of cases, there is a genetic cause, so we were referred for genetic testing. We're currently still waiting for the results. He told us we would need to increase her rectal washouts and do them daily going forward. Surgery was scheduled for May to detether Willow's spinal cord and remove the cysts, but three days before we were due to go in, the entire household tested positive for COVID. The risk involved in general anaesthesia in post-COVID patients meant we had to wait another seven weeks for the surgery to be rescheduled. On the 4th of July, we arrived at Addenbrooke for bowel prep and the surgery took place the day after. It took 10 hours and felt like the longest day of our lives, but it went well and with no complications. Willow had to lay flat for three days after surgery, but on day four, she got up and walked the length of the ward. She was amazing and we were so incredibly proud of her. The surgeons removed several cysts and we found out in September that one of them was a mature teratoma. This means they need to keep an eye on her for the next few years to make sure it hasn't regrown or turned nasty. All of her post-op checks have been positive, her bladder is fine and her bowel hasn't worsened at all. She had another MRI in September and in December we met with the neurosurgeon who said everything looked great and he won't see her going forwards now unless the cord retethers. I'm not naive enough these days to think that this is the end of the road, but for now, everything feels much calmer. Just before Christmas, Willow's Movicol dose was tweaked, and she's pretty much stopped soiling during the day, something that only a few weeks ago we felt was never going to happen. On the last day of the Christmas holidays, she decided she was going to wear knickers, and over the last two weeks, she's potty trained herself, with only the odd accident. She has absolutely blown us away. And I just wanted to say, Greg, without the support from you and the AARM community, I don't know how I would have got through the last couple of years. <laughs> Even at two o'clock in the morning when everything is racing through my head, knowing I can log into the Facebook group and someone will be there to put my mind at ease is invaluable. Just knowing we're not alone is so powerful. Thank you for everything you have done and continue to do for our community. It means so much and I will be forever grateful to have crossed paths with you. Oh, thanks so much, Hattie. That's that's such wonderful uh, words and 
I truly appreciate it. But uh, myself and all the community, that's what we're here for, to make sure that others don't feel like they're alone. And I got a bit emotional just then myself because I, when I read your post that she'd decided to wear the knickers and uh, had potty trained herself and because I know the journey you've been through, it was it would have been an amazing moment for you all. When she first said it, she said, um, I'm not pooing anymore. Can I wear knickers now? I thought, went, no, oh, yeah, yeah, you probably could. <laughs> um, so we went and got them out and she's just been amazing. She's only had three soiling accidents since she started in knickers, which I think is incredible considering where yeah. we were even before Christmas. They're the stories we want to hear. So it gives others yeah. the hope that things Definitely. do work out. And do you want to just give us a bit more of a, an idea about the Carolino syndrome? Because I do know of other kids that have got it, but if just to explain to the listening audience that a bit more about it, because it is associated with uh, IAARM, of course. Yes. So that's a, it's a triad of malformations, one of which has got to be the anorectal malformation. And usually it's anal stenosis, but I do know of other children where it has been more like IA or a higher abnormality. The second one is the sacral agenesis, which is usually a partial sacral agenesis, which is where part of the sacrum at the bottom of the spine is missing. And then the third anomaly is a cyst in the presacral space. So for Willow, she had a meningocele, which is where the sacrum should have been. The spinal cord sort of moved into that space and has made a cyst in that space. Um, so they had to sort of cut that off and, and fix that bit. Um, but then she also had these cysts in the space as well. So they removed those. I think there was about eight of them. Um, really? I'm not 100% sure on that. Mm. So how many surgeries has she had since the diagnosis of the Carolino syndrome? Which Just that the, one. Just the one? Just that one, yeah. And that went for 10 hours, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think we've been quite lucky that she's only had the one, but it was a very long one. <laughs> How has the family dynamic been with Willow in her conditions? Because she's got four older brothers. How have they handled the whole issue with her health conditions? They have been amazing, actually. They've just sort of taken it as they need to. Obviously, Dylan was only, Dylan turned one five days after she was born so he's never known any different it you know she has to go in for an MRI and he goes off to Stove Nanny and Gwendad for a few days and he loves it so he's happy my older two Sam and Ben go and stay with their dad because they've got a different dad to the little two there's a couple of times where just before she's had an MRI I've been like oh we need to stop seeing everybody because I don't want to get COVID and cancel the MRI because it's really important and panicked and they've just gone off and stayed with their dad and carried on going to school as normal. And they've just taken that really, really well. And then Logan, my stepson, he doesn't say a lot, bless him. <laughs> um, he's quite happy and he knows what's going on. And they were really, really supportive of her. Really good. Oh, that's good. So does she go to preschool or daycare? She goes to preschool. She's been going there since she was two and a half. And how have they handled her issues with her bowel? Have they been supportive? They've been really good with her. I think because they're a preschool, they're used to changing nappies and 
dealing with poo. So actually, for them, it's not much different than dealing with a normal a child with health without any health conditions because she soils and they change an nappy and that's about as in-depth as, they, as they've got with it, really. I think that the bigger problem will come when she starts school and if she's still soiling at school, they're not used to that. So I think she's going to have to have a support plan in place when she goes to school. But at preschool, she doesn't need that because they're changing nappies all day long anyway, so it's no different for them, really. Yeah, that's absolutely fair enough. And have you noticed a difference since she's had the tethered cord surgery? It didn't actually affect her physically. It was all bowel symptoms. So we noticed that she got more and more constipated and she doesn't have control of her bowels. We don't know whether that was caused by the tether cord or that was caused by the curarino or what caused that, but that's not resolved from the surgery. So that's going to be a lifelong thing. The only thing we did notice was a couple of weeks before the surgery, she started getting pins and needles in her feet during the night. Right. Um which we thought at that point is probably not worth mentioning to the surgeons because they can't bring it forward a couple of weeks. But that stopped. That stopped since the surgery. She's not getting that anymore. So I think that was definitely a progression of symptoms. And we've we've spoken about Willow. How has it impacted on you since she was born? <laughs> That's a very difficult question. She was the first one that I have ever stayed in hospital with apart from when they were born she's the first of my children to have a general anaesthetic and she's had many now yeah I'm quite good in the moment I can cope with things in the moment and then afterwards I go oh wow what what just happened (laughs) it's yeah it's been difficult (laughs) if you feel like being part of the group has helped you a lot with talking to other mothers the first few months my first year really I had no idea. We were sent away from the hospital with this leaflet about anal stenosis. I got home and I Googled it and I thought, there must be more people out here with babies with anal stenosis. I found nothing. I couldn't find anything at all. And it was only that I was in a Facebook group for babies that were born around the same time as Willow. And there was a girl in the group who, I think I'd posted something about one of her MRIs or something and she'd messaged me and she said this sounds just like my daughter she's got anorectal malformation come and join the group there's loads of us and I just went oh my god I found you like there are people out there with this and I can't believe that you're there and I spent so long not knowing about it <laughs> so I'm very grateful to her as well <laughs> oh that's wonderful how has it been trying to explain the condition to family and friends as you've gone along it's really hard, especially before we had the Kirino diagnosis. They'd say, oh, well, what is actually going on with her? And I'd be like, well, it's a bit of a long story. And you sort of feel like you have to explain the whole story. And then I suddenly realised I shouldn't be telling people her story. It's not my story, it's her story. And, you know, think about how much I actually tell people. And then she got the diagnosis of Kirino. And I thought, oh, this is great. We've got a name. When people say, what's what's going on with her? I can say, it's Kirarino syndrome. And then I found I say it's Kirarino syndrome and they go, oh, well, what's that? <laughs> and I'm explaining it anyway. <laughs> so it's not helped that much, but at least it has a name and and it's not just a random yeah. thing. That, yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Did sharing the story in the book make a difference at the time? I think it was quite nice to be able to say, she's in this book and she's part of a group of people who have a a similar condition I don't know that I've shown 
that many people. Or the family have read it. My in-laws have read it. I think they struggled with it a little bit in the beginning because it was all bowel related and it's things that you don't talk about. And they're like, they're of that generation, aren't they? And they've never come across anything like that. I think they find it a little bit easier now, especially for them that it's got a name. (laughs) So Hattie, what are the doctors saying about how, what her future holds with the Curarino syndrome from what you've been told? The neurosurgeon discharged her after he's seen her in December. He, they did a repeat MRI in September and said everything looks great and discharged her and said he won't see her unless the cord retethers. We asked about repeat imaging because I'd spoken to other parents of children with Kirarino and they have repeat imaging maybe once a year or every six months. And he said he wasn't sure how long that would be, but he'd asked the general surgeon who would be in charge of it now. So I emailed her secretary and said, have you any idea how often she wants to do imaging going forwards? And she's rang me back today and said she doesn't want any imaging going forwards. They're happy to just stick with the blood. And I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that because I feel like it needs monitoring. But I will uh, speak to some people and see how I feel. (laughs) Do you have yearly appointments with the colorectal specialist as well? We've never actually seen a colorectal specialist. (laughs) Really? Yeah, we see the general surgeons. Oh, okay. Well, that's really interesting because that's sort of like where I can see what you're saying before about where you fitted into the whole, the ARM family. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think had we seen a colorectal surgeon in the first place, they probably would have told us it was anorectal malformation. I don't know that for sure. But yeah, I just, I always felt like we were sort of skirting around the edge of a diagnosis that wasn't quite ours, if that makes sense. Yep. Oh, well, thankfully they, uh, they did finally diagnose, and as I say, you had a name. That was the most important thing for you by the sound of it too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, she had these symptoms and we knew that something wasn't quite right and the anal stenosis didn't cover what was worrying us. And I I pushed quite hard and I, we got there in the end. <laughs> you did a life-changing thing for Willow doing all that pushing to to find out so she could have that surgery and, like, you know, to see where she is today, it's just truly remarkable and as i've said before we've chatted a lot and there's been a lot of times where you've been a bit at your wit's end haven't you yes definitely <laughs> many times <laughs> yeah and there was a lot of uh, you helped me with this i sort of deep dived <laughs> into as much information as i could find because i thought you know there's something going on here and we don't know what it is and nobody seems to be worried about finding out what it is so i'm going to do it and you know read as many medical journals as I could find and spoke to as many parents as I could to see what their experience was until I came to this conclusion that it was going to be this Kirarino and you know they're walking into the neurosurgery appointment and he says yes it's Kirarino and I just went yes I've done it (laughs) I was right (laughs) I think I think I connected you to a uh, a family in Australia with the child with Kirarino didn't I yes yeah there is there's actually a Kirarino um, Facebook support group as well there's not very many people in it um, oh really um, that's wonderful um but yeah we found i found a few a few people there's another lady who's got a little one i think she's about eight months now in the uk so that's nice we might meet up at some point <laughs> yeah that'd be great and hetty how has willow's dad dealt with the whole thing because you know i like to talk about the the father's experience as well 
definitely. Simon is the most relaxed and laid back person I have ever met in my entire life. Who counteracts the rest of us, <laughs> which really helps. He's the voice of reason and he is always calm. <laughs> He, he copes very well with it. I think he panics less and he worries less. And I think, you know, the doctors say something and I go, oh, well, is that right? And then he'll be like, no, it's fine. They know what they're talking about. <laughs> I, you know, I think having had that experience of waiting so long to find the diagnosis, I am constantly questioning what they're saying, where he's a little bit more, he'll take what they've said and go, no, they're the experts. You need to, you need to listen to them this time. <laughs> Uh-huh. So the voice of reason for you in some respect. Voice of reason for sure. <laughs> I'm autistic, so I don't cope particularly well staying in hospital. And the first time she was in, when she was tiny, I really pushed myself because she's my baby, and I did stay there, and and got quite upset after a few days. So when she went in for this surgery last July, I was like, no, I know how we're going to handle it. I'm going to do a day. You're going to do a day. I'm going to do a day. And yeah, it was really good. And I think we got to day and I went I just can't stay there any longer we'd got moved to a different ward and it was really loud and I just said I just can't stay any longer and he said that's fine I'll do it and he stayed the nights and I came back during the day so he is yeah my rock (laughs) always well congratulate Simon for me (laughs) I will do (laughs) so Hattie what is her bowel management regime at the moment she was off Movicol for a long time she's back on Movicol it's taken a while to get that tweaked, but we've now got it down to she takes one sachet one day, one and a half sachets the next day. And that seems to keep her at a good consistency. And then she does a bowel wash out every morning. It used to be in the evening, but we switched it over to the morning and that gets her through until the next morning now. So she's doing Movicol and the washouts. And how yeah. is she coping with the washouts? Because they're the rectal washouts. She does incredibly well. I'm actually really impressed with her. When they first suggested it, I thought, oh my goodness, she's never going to do this. They gave us the equipment. They said, go away and play with it, get her to have a go, put it in the bath, get her to squirt it up the walls. Um, (laughs) And she did that and played with it for a couple of weeks. And then we had one evening where she was in so much pain, screaming with constipation. And we'd sort of said to each other, Simon and I we could either put her in the car and take her to the hospital which is going to be an hour and we don't think we're going to get her in the car seat in the state that she's in or we could try the washout that we've got (laughs) um, and see what happens so we went all right we'll do it and I think by the point that we got to it she was in so much pain she was just like just do anything we did it 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 was an experience the first time we did it yeah we got saline up the walls there was poo everywhere (laughs) but it it worked um she had this massive explosion afterwards got into bed and went to sleep and then in the morning she said to me that worked mummy my tummy feels so much better now um, oh is that so wonderful again. So, <laughs> just I think we hit it at the right moment for it to be really effective for her and she's just been fine doing it ever since she's been really good with it oh that's great because you know a lot of kids tolerate them and a lot of kids don't it's great that's that she amazing. does I was really worried because obviously she was only just three when they suggested starting them. And I thought, this is not the age you want to be starting this. But actually, she just took it really, really well. That's wonderful. And Hattie, I know you've been really passionate about wanting to share your story because of your misdiagnosis 
that went on for so long. And for you to be able to talk about it so openly, I'm sure it's going to help families who may be going through the similar questions to pursue research and to ask the questions. Yeah, definitely. I think if if I can get one per one more person thinking, could it be this? And then getting that diagnosis and not getting it at three years old, getting it at a few months old, then I'm happy. I've done my job. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it, it needs a bit more awareness, doesn't it? Well, you've certainly done your job in that regard. And I will be making sure that uh, people are, are much more aware of Carino syndrome in our 1 in 5,000 information page as well as by people listening to the podcast so Hattie thanks so much for joining us today it's been wonderful and say hello to little Willow when she wakes up in the morning for me and uh (laughs) and it's been great so thanks Hattie bye-bye take care have a lovely day no eyes bye-bye bye